Hi, folks. I'm Samantha Swindler. And I am Tom Holman. And we are colleagues here at The Oregonian. And you are listening to our very first podcast of Oregon Lives. And this is an interesting concept for at least me, Samantha, because I rarely on camera, only because of the new video stuff, I'm behind the scenes. So this is taking listeners into the process of how we find stories, craft them, and make them meaningful in a world full of noise. I believe our stories have the ability to reach the heart. I think we'll be talking about stories that have little to do with the powerful, the famous, and they won't be political. They'll be about how we live or how we want to live. And I believe that the stories you and I find offer listeners and readers a chance to meet people, I believe, who are real teachers in the world. In those lives, we will learn something about them, but we will learn something about ourselves. I like this idea that the stories that we tell get at what it means to be human. I agree. And for the listening audience, I'm 64 years old. And I'm still trying to figure out the mystery of what it means to live and what the meaning of a life is all about. And uh, I bet you I've written, I've been at the Oregonian, I'll be starting my 39th year, and I've been in the storytelling business for over 41. You've been at the Oregonian for 39 I'm starting years. my 39th year. I, I started as a police reporter. You have been at this paper longer than I have been alive, but not by much. And we are getting sponsorship from AARP now. <laughs> uh, no, I have been, and I found that the beauty of feature writing is that if you take the award-winning stories in, let's say, breaking news or investigative, and you go back 20 years and you read those stories, you might wonder, what was the big deal about? But if you read any feature story written 20 years ago, it will make you laugh or cry and feel something. And that's the enduring power of what you and I do together. Okay, so wait, let me, before we, before we get into this story, we have to do this transition thing. So we're going to get into this. We're going to tell you a story about a ring, a wedding ring, right after we take a short break. So a couple of weeks ago, I got this voicemail from a random lady who lives in Alabama. Hi, my name is Heather Langley. Um, I actually own a jewelry business called Plectrum Heaven. If you didn't catch that, it's Plectrum Heaven. That's Plectrum as in a guitar pick. She makes a lot of jewelry for musicians. So I was reading online about a story. It was like you wrote um, about after 46 years, Oregon couple thought wedding room was lost forever, then fate intervened. Okay, well, I have a similar story. Um, this friend of mine found a wedding ring at Mount Bachelor in Oregon um, back in the 1990s. Well, he pulls the ring out, and it has inscriptions in it. So the owner's got to still be able to be found. Um, it appears to be platinum with diamonds in it all around it. I just know it has some meaning to somebody, and it's been missing for 20 years or over 20 years. Um, anyway, I was wondering if maybe you could help me find the owners of this ring. She had read a story that I wrote about two years ago about a wedding ring that had been found in a park. They were putting in a sidewalk and the parks department dug it up. It had initials and a date inside of it. 
I started with a couple of different methods trying to find the owners. I ended up calling the helpful folks over at the Multnomah County Library. The librarian was able to look through the Oregonian's own newspaper archives using the date that was engraved inside the ring, looked up wedding announcements from around that period, found one couple whose initials matched. We were able to return the ring to the owners. They were still married, still living in Gresham, and it was a really cool story. So she, I guess she's Googling Lost Wedding Ring Oregon, and she comes across my name, and I call her back. Now, I had read a column that you wrote about the genealogical, what is it called? Society of Oregon. Genealogical Society of Oregon. Okay, so tell me about that group, because that place is cool. So the Genealogical Society is a column I wrote a year ago, and it's like going back to college where you have people in a library who their greatest thrill is sitting behind a desk and looking up obscure dates, places, and names. It's the last place you would find Tom Hallman. <laughs> and I was intrigued by it because it is living history. There I saw the, the first wedding certificate issued in Multnomah County. They have books from all around the world. And people go there to find out usually starts out, who, where am I from? Where are my parents from? And it becomes a great detective story, and they become obsessed with this kind of research, and they are incredible detectives. So I wrote about that, and that's how you ended up, I believe, tracking down some information on this lost ring, right? Yeah. So this ring was found in the 1990s on Mount Bachelor, which is not near Portland. I mean, that's how many hours away? I don't know. I don't do outdoor things. But it's not close. So what are the odds, right? I mean, they could have come from anywhere. These people could have been vacationing. It doesn't mean that they were from Portland or even from Oregon or even from this country. I went into this thinking, wouldn't it be neat, but having realistically no expectation of finding the owners. So there were two sets of names and two sets of dates. The first set of names was Anne or Anna, and Norton, it was a wedding date in 1954. And the other set of names looked like Melissa and Tim or maybe Jim, and it was from 1991. I started with this the way I started with the last story, which was I went through the Oregonian's own archives of their wedding announcements. One of the dates was from the 1950s, and back in the 1950s, like you totally put a wedding announcement in the newspaper. Um, but I didn't find anything. So I went down to the Genealogical Research Center, which is in the basement of the Ford Building in Southeast Portland, where there is no parking. I went down there on my day off, and I circled around that area, not able to find a spot forever, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm, why am I wasting my time doing this? And it is this like fluorescent lit basement, and I talked to a research assistant, a volunteer research assistant named Nancy Remington. I believe that's her name. Nancy Remington. She was super helpful. She sat down at a computer. They have a subscription to Ancestry.com where you can look at marriage certificates from all over the country. I guess probably beyond that. Um, and so we just start typing in different variables because it was really delicate cursive script. So I wasn't exactly sure what the dates and the names were. Could have been a three, could have been a five. So we typed in all these different options and variables and I was taking notes about possibilities. We found a couple that were married on that date, Anne and Norton last name Gibson. Then we find another couple, Jim and Melise, not Melissa, also last name Gibson. I'm like, that's definitely it. 
They were married in Seattle and Tacoma, respectively. Anne and Norton had both passed away. But Jim and Melise were still alive, still together, and they lived in Northeast Portland. That was cool, right? Like, Very cool. Anyway, so I got all excited, and then I think I called you. Yeah, and, and, and the greater question I want listeners to think about is who cares, really? If we don't write this story, it does not matter. But the fact we did write the story, it matters. And we know that because of the calls, emails, comments, and social media shares on a story. So the, 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 they do matter. Both of us could have said, forget it. So why did I do it? First off, it's, it's enjoyable working with you. But second, and this helped shape the structure of the story, is everybody has lost something in their life. I still remember a little toy gun I lost when I was six years old. It's a universal story. We've all lost something. So that intrigued me. And I, I like a challenge. I was like, I will solve this mystery. Your ability to find these people was remarkable. All I did was pick up the phone and dial the number you gave me. So Melise is a realtor. So she was really easy to find her cell phone number and is probably the last person on the planet who will immediately pick up a, an unknown call to their cell phone. Melise, my name is Tom Hall. Yep. I'm calling from the Oregonian with a very strange question. Have you lost uh, a, have have you lost a wedding ring? Um about twenty years ago. Did it have the yeah. word Semper Fi in it? Yes. Well, I think it was my mother freaking A, are you kidding me? No. It was my mother in law's wedding ring. And I told her I do not want it because my fingers are like half the size of yours. And I went skiing. Okay. To show it off to my best friend who just got married. And then I get off the, the lift and I take my glove off or something. I don't remember. God, I've had so many glasses of wine since then. Um, and it, it was gone. Well, through a strange series of events, a reporter here, who, who's my partner on these stories, tracked it down, and I believe How? it's in Alabama right now. How? Well, that's what the story's going to be about. Uh, oh, my. You, it's the same ring. It's just the most freaking cool, unusual ring. Too. It has, like, little diamonds in the inlay? Yeah, little diamonds, and then there's um, little studs on the inside. Yes. I can't believe it. This is so weird. Oh, my goodness. Until she actually said it, I still didn't believe that we had found the person. Because I kept thinking, like, what are the odds? What are the odds? Right. Then I called Heather in Alabama. Hi, Heather. Hey. I took the information you gave me about the wedding ring, and I have found the owners. That's just amazing. That's amazing. Great detective work. <laughs> I didn't think it was going to actually happen. I didn't think that we were going to be able to find them. And I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful for you doing all you did. <laughs> Thank you for this. I really, really appreciate you doing all this work. I didn't even think they would live in that area. I, think, I assumed they were on their honeymoon according to the date that you told me he found it. 
and you know, the, the Dale is out of band. We were never going to find these people, and I was mm-hmm. like, there's only one place to start. And, and I came across that story about that ring that you had done, and I was like, I'm just going to call her. <laughs> <laughs> I'd actually asked to join, like, I don't know, a hundred different groups in Oregon on Facebook, like, like the outdoors in Oregon, and this in Oregon, and that in Oregon, and they'd always ask, well, do you live here? Why do you want to join? I'm like, I'm trying to find the owners of a ring. I had people in marine groups that were sharing it to their marine groups on Facebook, and I mean, they were sharing it everywhere, and it's crazy that you found it that easy. (laughs) I was talking to Heather, and we were arranging for her to ship the ring to us so that we could deliver it to Melise and Jim. And she posted on her Facebook, oh my gosh, I can't believe we found the owners of this ring. I wish I could deliver it in person. And a friend of hers was like, I've got all these airline miles. I'll send you up there, girl. So she got in a plane and she flew to Portland. Hi, how are you? Hi, you must be Heather. I am, nice to meet you. Hi. And I picked her up at the airport and she stayed with me over the weekend. The next day we went and showed up at Melissa's house she knew we were bringing the ring, but she did not know that Heather was coming. And so that was a fun surprise. How are you? There you go. That's crazy. Do you know what this is? I'm the one who found the ring. So I flew oh from Alabama. God. Oh, that's crazy. Like, the accent. 2,502 miles away. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. So it fits. It fits you now, and you let have me, it back. Let me show you the ring. So after all the introductions, we got to sit down with Melise and Jim, and they told us more about the ring's history. My, well, my mom was trying to goad us to get married. I guess I'll say that. Um, and so she said, you can have my ring as, as, as a nudge. It was a little daunting because it was a big ring, and it didn't fit, and it was not my style. It, it has big sentimental value. My mom's friend Elizabeth was a jewelry designer, designed it for her. And then she passed away a couple years after my mom got married. She would talk about her friend and the ring kind of together. So it meant it symbolized a lot for my mom. It was sort of the embodiment of their, their, their friendship. I regret, really regret, because I literally never wore it. I just had to wear it skiing to show Sharon, look at my wedding ring. We were just skiing, and I always wear mittens because I keep your hands yeah, super toasty. Yeah. And I know we were spring skiing because I obviously had taken my mittens off because you get hot. It was gone. We looked for a couple of years and contacted the resort, contacted the sheriff's office, all the pawn shops in Bend. Everybody knew about it. And we just kind of moved on with our life. Oh, yeah, sir. after the third year, we quit, okay. quit asking. A friend of mine that I've only actually known for six months uh-huh. um, worked at the ski resort. Uh-huh. And I mean, he even sent it to me on my phone. Like he, he knows exactly where it was found at. He described it and everything. He turned them in to the lost and found. They stayed there over the summer. And then anything that was found had not been claimed. Whoever found it got to keep it. And he lives in <laughs> Alabama now. He's an engineer. He lives in Alabama. Okay. Um, and he brought it out one day because we were talking about a story I had read on Facebook about somebody tearing a sidewalk up, finding mm-hmm. a wedding band. It was returned. I thought it was so awesome. He's like, well, here, I've got something for you. And he brings it out. And he's like... I just thought about it. I, just, I don't think it means anything, but you know, you can make something out of it. And I went, there's names in here. He goes, what? They never told Anne that the ring had been lost. Anne died last year at age 97. Norton died many years before that. So she never really knew that the, the ring was lost. She probably saw the, the replacement ring a couple of times. And I think she might have had a, 
a quizzical look about her, but she wasn't bold enough to ask, is that my ring or what happened? <laughs> I hate to use this analogy, but it's similar like when someone passes away, the beginning you just, you don't even know how to react. So it is the kind of thing, if, if, you, think of, if you think about it, then you kind of miss it. I'm excited. I have a ring that fits. I don't have to ever hide the fact that That's it was awesome. lost. Exactly. And I can wear it forever and ever and ever. And I think my mother-in-law is probably up there and she's so excited. I'm sure she is. Yeah. Oddly, it looks smaller. I remember it being huge. And now it finally kind of fits my hand. It was kind of cool that it ended up going to somebody who held on to it for this long and didn't give it to a girl or That's sell I mean. it. or. That's what I mean. It's crazy. Yeah. When the two women met, they discovered they had a lot of things in common. They both have teenage children who have developmental disabilities. They sort of bonded over that. And they both discovered they've both been diagnosed with MS. They've stayed in touch since the ring was delivered. Heather was just here for the weekend. She flew right back. But they've been texting, communicating. They're Facebook friends now. And I think that they have developed kind of a little friendship. And I think they think they were cosmically brought together for some reason. I think on one level, it's just a ring. And it's just an object. And it doesn't really matter. And then on another level, it's symbolic. It kind of completed a circle, to have a pun on a ring. And it was a 5,000-mile journey, round trip. In this business, we often... Other journalists often disparage, quote, good news. They think, oh, that's a soft little feature about a kitten, you know, doing something. But these stories remind people that 90% of the world is good. It's not all bad. And it's very easy in this day and age to be flooded and overwhelmed with nothing but bad. It was very exciting to be able to piece the puzzle together. I think that was the most fun part for me. I was very excited when we figured out who the name was. It's, it's relevant, so, so my, my hard news side of me would like to note that because Melise and Jim and Anna Norton were married in the state of Washington and not Oregon, I was able to get a copy of their marriage certificate and we were able to return this ring. If they had been married in Oregon, we probably wouldn't have been able to find them because marriage certificates are not considered a public record in this state. If there was ever a sweeter, fluffier reason to advocate on behalf of government transparency and public records. It's returning wedding rings, returning lost wedding rings to people after decades. I think people will hear this story and they will immediately connect with it because, as you mentioned, everybody has lost something. And exactly. And, and, and what's interesting on this story is this is the first time that Tom Hallman Jr. and Samantha Swindler shared a byline. And as I told my editor, it's kind of like we became partners. The byline is the journalistic equivalent of a ring. <laughs> I hadn't thought about it that way. Well, I think in those terms. <laughs> so it was good to work with you because you brought out something in these people that I couldn't have, or you noticed things I wouldn't have. I am the Frodo Baggins of the Oregonian. I am two for two on reuniting people with their lost wedding ring. I have a wedding ring story too, but I didn't find it. But a woman found one in uh, when she took her daughter's car and to get fixed, the repairman found a diamond ring and asked if it was hers and she said it's not. And she decided to do the same thing you did. She tracked down the owner and tracked down by using car registrations and who bought the car where and found the owner 
and gave him the ring back, and he gave it to his wife on Mother's Day. So return the ring to to somebody else. So we're we're you're you're ahead of me by one, but <laughs> we still have time. So you're two to keep, one. Keep score on this. Yes, we need a little bell now. Ding ding. I think I love the idea of it being like such a tiny object with such outsized significance to somebody. That's what I like about That's it. Great, I like that. As you think about how big the world is and how many people are on it and how many places we go and how many places we travel and to lose something that's so tiny. I mean, you could swallow it. And then to have it come back to you after years and years and years. That is so wild. Very good. Very excellent perceptive point. I got married this summer, too. So maybe that's why I was like particularly interested in wedding rings. After I found the owners of the first ring, I was very insistent that our own wedding rings were going to have our initials and the date of our wedding inside of it in case they ever got lost. I had actually pushed for maybe just putting our Twitter handles inside of our rings because I thought that might be easier for somebody to track. Who's to say 20 years from now Twitter will even exist? Well, that's true. It might be like having your MySpace URL inside of a ring. I just wanted something that would be easy to find. A lot of people don't know how to really do research. A lot of people don't know how to look through car registrations or public records or or databases. And so they'll just Google it. And so what are you most Googleable as? Actually, I have kind of a weird name. I could have just put my full name in the ring. That might have been returned to Samantha Swindler. How many of us are there in the world? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, anyway. If you want to read the full story and see the video of the return of the wedding ring, check out the link in the show's description. If you like this podcast and you want to hear more Oregon Lives, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And seriously, if you have found a wedding ring, get in touch with us because we're on a roll, man. We've got three rings between us. You can reach us on Twitter. I'm at Editor Swindler. What's your handle? At T. Hallman Jr., but it's easier to get a hold of me at T. Hallman at Oregonian.com. And I'm S. Swindler at Oregonian.com. And if you can't remember any of that, you can also email podcasts at Oregonian.com. Thanks for listening.